Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim and I'm one of the pastors here. And we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. So uh, today I have, um, I have a wallet and I'm just wondering, does anybody else have a wallet? Anybody with a wallet? Joe, do you have a wallet? Uh, not nearby. Did you, did you drive here? More or less, yeah. With a license? <laughs> anybody with a wallet? You got a wallet? In here, I have something very valuable. Would you be willing to trade all of the cash in your wallet for what's in my wallet? <laughs> this is deal or no deal. <laughs> Anybody? No cash? Kaya, you got a wallet? A purse? Kaya, would you be willing to make this trade? Whatever's in your wallet... Is going to be mine. Whatever is in this is going to be yours. There's, there's no take backs. 20, okay, she's willing to make it. Okay, let's make the trade. All right. It's empty. Oh. Nothing in there? I'm sorry. Thank you. All right, well, deal or no deal. That's a picture of how temptation works. That's a picture of how sin works. You see, sin, sin promises something. It, it says, look, this is going to make me feel better. This is going to bring me more comfort. This is going to, to provide what I want. And I'm hoping it's going to be something. And I end up trading this for that. And it's emptiness. It leaves me wanting more. It never really satisfies, does it? Every single time you and I give in to temptation, we make that exchange. We say, I'm willing to give up this for that. And it brings me to this empty wallet. It's the same thing that Israel found themselves doing. They, they chased after false idols and they, they indulged and chased after their own sins and their own pleasures and it left them with an empty wallet. It, it left them with nothing. And then in each, every single one of us, there, there's something inside of us that's kind of like pulling at us and pulling at us. And then we make that exchange. We're tricked over and over and over again. And then we think, what is wrong with me? Why do I keep doing that? That's how temptation works. That's how sin works. So the question is, how do we overcome that? Is there a kill switch to temptation? And if so, what does it look like? So that's what we're going to deal with today. So grab your Bibles and go to the book of James. We're going to be back in the book of James, James chapter 1. And uh, we started this series last week of Be Real. And James is the half-brother of Jesus. And James begins to write to the scattered Christians all over, talking about real-life scenarios, real-life situations, and how each of those situations has to do with our faith and our authentic faith. And so 
Last week, we talked about trials, and we talked about difficulties. And James said, those trials, those difficulties, God uses those situations in our life to mold us and to shape us, to help us become more like Jesus. And then he gets on this topic of temptation. So James chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible, we'll put the text on the screen behind me. Let's start reading in verse 13. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And so James is talking about these temptations. And he says, don't even think about saying that you're being tempted by God. Don't even plan on that. And he's combining, he's talking about trials and temptations. And I think he's talking about them both in the same passage because oftentimes when we go through difficulties, when we find ourselves in a trial, a temptation will come along with it. If you find yourself in a trial of maybe financial difficulty, you might find yourself being tempted to question is God really going to provide for me? Will God really come through? Maybe you find yourself in a temptation of, of going through this difficulty where you've lost a loved one and now you're tempted to, know, to question, does God really care for me? Or maybe you've, you've observed people, like they're good people and they're going through something really, really hard. But then you notice there's a bunch of wicked people and they seem to be prospering, and you might be going through that and seeing all that, and you might be tempted to think, does God really exist? Is there really justice in the world? And trials and temptations often come together. And so that's why James is dealing with these together. And he's talking about, okay, this testing of your faith, that does come from God. God will use those situations to shape you and to mold you, to make you more complete, or maybe to, to prove that your faith is authentic. But don't say that God was the one that tempted me. And sometimes, maybe we would say it a little differently. We might say, you know what, this is just how I am. This is just how, this is just how God wired me. I'm just an angry person. It, it, it's just how I am. Or if God wanted to, to stop this, if God wanted to prevent this, he could have and he didn't. It's just in my DNA to, to spend all of my money and not even be thinking about my responsibilities. It's just who I am. God could have stopped it, but he didn't. And, and so what we're saying is it's really his fault. And James says, don't even think about blaming God. Whose fault is it? Where does it really come from? Well, today we're going to talk about three different truths about temptation. And the first one is that temptation is a reality I can't escape. 
Temptation is going to be there. James says, it's not if temptation comes, but when temptation comes. Temptation is something that you and I all face. We all deal with it. We all wrestle with it. It's in all of our lives. Every single one of us have faced temptation this past week. Maybe even today. But is temptation sin? And what's the difference between temptation and sin? When does temptation become sin if they are in fact different? Notice what James says in verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by what? Their own desires. And they're enticed. That there's something inside of you. There's something inside of me that is that's pulling at me. It's dragging me away. It's enticing me. I have good desires and I have bad desires. Not all of your desires are bad, are they? You probably have desires to be loved, right? That's not a bad desire. But if I want to be a love, if I want to be loved, if I want to be approved of, if I want to be respected by other people, and that desire begins to control and rule my life, where I begin to change who I am, I begin to change what I say, I begin to act a different way, then that desire has gone wrong. Maybe the desire to, to eat, right? The desire to eat is not a wrong desire. But if I steal food to get that desire, that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with eating ice cream either, right? But if I sit at home and I eat two gallons of Rocky Road ice cream, I might have a problem. I might have some brain freeze for sure. But think about the desires that you wrestled with this week. Think about the temptations that you saw this week. And what were those desires promising you? Because every time we sin, we make an exchange. We give up this for that. And we think that this over here, that this is better. This is going to provide something. And you know what? Sin is fun. If it wasn't fun, you wouldn't keep doing it over and over and over again. It's promising something, and there's always an exchange. And underneath that sin, there's a desire, and it's enticing you, and it's dragging you away. Just think about it. What was that desire promising you this past week? If you got angry or frustrated or annoyed, what was underneath that? Well, you know what? I felt hurt, so I wanted them to feel hurt too. I have my rights, Tim, and they started infringing on my rights. And all of a sudden, I needed to make sure that my voice was heard. You know what? I needed to make sure that I was right. I needed to make sure. And so there's something underneath that. And that, there's that desire underneath that. Maybe it was revenge. Maybe it was just protecting whatever you thought your rights were. But the idea is that you and I, we're being enticed. We're being dragged away. That, that word entice, it's, it's a fishing term. You know, it's just if you were going to go fishing, there's, 
You would have a pole, and there's nothing enticing about this hook, right? But the idea of the enticement is that you would go fishing, and you would try to entice, you would try to lure out that fish, maybe lure it out from its retreat. And, but this in and of itself is not enticing. So, so what do we do? Well, we go ahead and we grab a worm, and we put a little worm on here, and then we go fishing. And then we draw that out in front of uh, the fish, and we go, oh, come on, come on. You want that, don't you? It looks good. Don't you want that? Take it, take it, take it. And every day, this is what Satan does. He, he finds out what's going on in your life, what you love, what you chase after, and he takes a little bit of bait and he goes, here you go. Go ahead, take that. You know you want that. Come on, come on, get it, get it. And then all of a sudden, the fish comes out and it grabs a hold of that and then the fight is on. And then death comes, unless you send it back. And sometimes you and I, we, we wise up and we go, you know what? Man, I'm not going after that. And so Satan goes, okay, they're not going after worms today. Uh, let's do money. This is probably illegal. And then he says, okay, no, no worms today. They're going after money. I mean, you come here and you're giving up money. And you put money in the blue box. You could be working. You could be making more green stuff. And Satan says, okay, what about this? Come, come take this. What about this? That looks good, doesn't it? You want to make more of this? The economy's not doing so good. Inflation's going up. Gas prices aren't getting better. Don't you want more green stuff? And we go, yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. And, and Satan is doing everything he can to draw you out of church. He's doing everything he can to, to draw you away from your family. This thing's on here good. Sorry, Gaia. He's doing everything he can to entice you, to draw you out of your family, to bring you out of your church. And he's saying, okay, the, the gummy worms aren't working. The money's not working. I'm going to try something else. He keeps switching up the bait and switching and switching and switching. And he's doing that. And he's trying to draw you out. He's enticing you over and over and over again. Knowing that he's going to get you. But if we're aware of how all of this works, we can begin to fight against temptation. We've got to recognize these triggers in real time because there are triggers that are happening all around you. For me, I know when I'm hungry, I will get hangry. When I am tired, I will be less patient with my kids. When I am discouraged or overwhelmed with things going on in life, I am more likely to do things or say things I wish I hadn't. And there's triggers all around you. Sometimes it's, it's what's going on in your life. Sometimes it's the stage of life. Sometimes it's maybe a specific place or it's certain people. That when you're around those people, you tend to be more tempted. And so if you know that 
the world, your flesh, and Satan is going to use these desires that actually are inside you, inside of me, to draw you, to lure you away, we can preemptively know there's some triggers, there's some things that might be going on that know, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. I'm feeling tired right now. I'm feeling really discouraged. I got to get out ahead of this and say, you know what? Let me send a text. Hey, Lane, I'm feeling really discouraged and overwhelmed today. Would you pray for me? Hey, right now, I'm just, I, I, I'm super tired. The kids have not been sleeping well. One of them is, is sick, and I'm just feeling the stress and the angst and all of that is going on. Hey, would you pray for me? Because I know when I'm discouraged, when I'm overwhelmed, things don't always go well. And follow up with me and just take that preemptive strike. But notice what James says next in verse 15. He says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and it gives birth to death. That there is this thing that happens. I linger a little long. I stare a little longer than I should and that grows into sin. And, and sin is this idea of missing the mark. It's missing the bullseye. But it's not that you just kind of like, you were off center a little bit, and you just missed by half an inch. It's this idea that you, you pulled back, you, you knew where the target was, you knew where the bullseye was, and all of a sudden, you aimed at something else. That's what is going on. That you and I, we are enticed. We are lured away. And we know where the target is. We know we should be fixing our eyes on Jesus. And all of a sudden, we turned and we aimed at something else. And we stayed a little longer than we should have. We looked a little longer than we should have. And that desire grew and it gave birth to sin. And then it grew and turned into death. Now, what happened was you and I were actually created. We were designed to live forever. And Adam and Eve, they sinned. And when they sinned, death entered into the world. That's how all this happened. Because of sin, death entered the world. And so death has come in. But there's also this thing called spiritual death that you and I, when we sin, we are spiritually separating ourselves. There's death between you and God, me and God. So this is the process. So the second truth that James shows us is that temptation is a process that I can stop. At some point along that process, I can stop it. Some point I can stop it. Let me show you the process. It starts off with a desire. That's the desire, right? You and I were enticed, we're lured away by the desires that live inside of us. Sometimes it's Satan, sometimes it's the world, sometimes it's my own flesh, my own desires that are enticing me and they're drawing me away. And sometimes they're not bad desires. I want to pass the test, I want to pass the exam, I want to get a good grade in school. But cheating to do so isn't the right way to do it. Sometimes there's wrong desires, there's evil desires, there's things that we know flat out. God says, don't do that. And that desire leads to deception. We're deceived, we're tricked. 
We think this is good. We think that that is going to be more pleasure, more comfort, something great. And then we open it up and it's empty. It feels good for a time, but we've been deceived. We've been tricked into thinking, that's going to be what I want. That's going to be where I want to go. That's how I got here, right? We've been believing that that is good. Every time I sin, I have been tricked and deceived into believing that that was good. But then the next step is disobedience. Desire, deception, disobedience. At this point in the process, that's when I've sinned. Here, I'm good. I'm still good. Here, I'm still good. But then I linger a little bit longer and I give in. At that point, I've disobeyed. At that point, I've sinned. At that point, I've turned to something and I've made a choice. I made that decision. And this is the process. And I can stop. But it's so much better to stop way back here. Because the further in, the harder it pulls. The longer I stare, the longer I stick around, the longer I keep thinking about it and contemplating it, deception takes over and I'm tricked again and again and again. The fourth step is death. Fish grabs onto the hook, realizes, hmm, just a gummy worm. Underneath there is a hook, and now it's in my mouth. Now I'm being reeled in, and it is over. That's the process that you and I go through every time we sin. It starts with desire. It moves all the way to death. And we realize that wasn't what I thought it was. It felt good for a moment. So how do we overcome this? James has some weapons that we can use to defeat temptation. Go to verse 16. Verse 16 says, don't be deceived, right? Be aware that temptation is coming to trick you. It's coming. It's going to deceive you. But don't give in to that, my dear brothers and sisters. Verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every time I sin, I think that that is good. I've given into that because I believed it was good, but the reality is the only good gifts come from God. So as I begin to wrestle with temptation, I need to, to pull back the curtain and remind myself, wait a minute, wait a minute, God is good. Yeah, things at work are difficult. Things with my kids are challenging. But man, is God amazing. He has given me this job. He has provided for me. It was God who gave me these kids. It is God who continues to give new mercies every single morning. God is good. That, it's a trick. It's a trap. Everything that God has given to me has been good. And I've got to remind myself of that goodness. But temptation, 
Temptation is overcome by the truth. Look at the third thing that James says. Sorry, verse 18. Yep, there we go. Temptation is overcome by the truth. We overcome it by the truth. When we give in to temptation, we've been deceived and we weren't believing the truth. So how do we fight? We need to fight it with the truth. Jesus, before his, his earthly ministry began, he went out into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and Satan came at him. And Satan started tempting him with different temptations. And Jesus, the king of kings, the one who breathed the existence out just by speaking the words, was now being tempted by Satan. And Jesus fought against that with truth, quoting scripture. And Satan knew scripture. Satan was taking scripture out of context and trying to entice and tempt Jesus. And he fought it with truth. Our lives are shaped not by your temptations, but by our responses to them. You have God's word. It is the truth. You can fight against that and, and recognize, you know what? That really isn't good. That isn't going to provide what it's promising. Here's what God's word says. I can be content. I can learn to be content in all things. I can consider all things, all sorts of trials and difficulties as, as pure joy because I know that God is going to use this in my life to shape me and mold me. So use God's truth. Jesus, he fought against temptation. Look at the example we see in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. That as a follower of Jesus, you can hold on to, you can grab on to your faith because you have a great high priest. But not only is Jesus your high priest, look at this, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, what? Empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus empathizes with you, with me. He was tempted in all sorts of ways, and he didn't give in to sin, not even once. And, and just think about it. Who feels the full weight of temptation? The person who goes through the full temptation and doesn't give in or the person who goes partway through and then gives in? If, if you and I were carrying a backpack on, on a mile-long hike and it was a, a heavy backpack, a 100-pound backpack, who feels the full weight? The person who goes the full mile carrying it or the person who goes halfway through and then dumps the backpack off? Jesus was tempted in every way and he didn't sin. He walked through those temptations the whole way through. This is good news. Because look at, look at verse 16. Let us then, because of all of that, because he's our high priest, because he was tempted, because he never sinned, you and I, you and I get to walk into the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, so that we may receive what? Mercy 
and find grace to help us in our time of need. Meaning when you're tempted, when I'm tempted, I can stop what I'm doing, I can get on my knees, and I can pray. And I can enter into the throne room of grace. And I can do it with confidence, with boldness, knowing there's a couple things that are going to happen. One, I'm going to find mercy. And man, when I'm tempted, I need mercy. When I'm tempted, I know I'm going to find God's grace. He's not looking down at me. He's not accusing me. He's not shaming me. But I'm finding grace. And in that time of need, I need that so badly. The other thing I know is no temptation lasts forever. Eventually, that temptation will pass. That's the truth. You can fight off temptation with God's truth. You can fight God's temptation by sending off a preemptive attack and go, okay, I'm going to call somebody else in to help or to pray or to hold me accountable. I can fight off temptation by going into the throne room of grace and praying. As followers of Jesus, we have this access because of who Jesus is. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He did all of that. Here's what I want you to know. That sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. Every single time, it's promising this. <laughs> you and I are making the exchange. We're exchanging this, a good gift from God for that. You know what? That looks good. That looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It looks like it's going to bring me comfort and hope. And then it's empty going to take you somewhere and it's going to hold you there a lot longer than you wanted to stay and it will cost you a whole lot more than you wanted to pay so what how do we how do we apply this what do we do number one eliminate unnecessary temptations just eliminate them get rid of them one way we can do that is, is really doing some inventory of our own souls okay what are those desires underneath those temptations what are those desires? I need to repent of those desires. A lot of times we talk about repentance of, of just like the physical act. No longer do that and begin doing this. But how many times have someone said, just stop being angry? And you're like, oh, okay, good, I'm done. And you know, you're never angry ever again. And it worked. It didn't. Because underneath that anger is a desire for something else. And at that level, I need to go, God, I'm not desiring things that are good. They're not true. They're not pure. They're not lovely. God, I'm not loving the things that you love. God, help me to desire the things that you desire. God, help me to love the things that you love. And I need to eliminate those things. I need to become aware of typical circumstances. Where am I triggered in real time when I'm feeling this, when I'm here, 
when I'm with these people, what are those things, and then take a preemptive strike. Number three, I need to identify the escape route ahead of time, right? Because when you're in the midst of that storm, you have no idea which side is up and down or left or right. But before you enter, and sometimes, you know, if you're like me, you seem to face the same temptation over and over and over. Every now and then there's a new one, right? There's a new one in the mix. Like, I haven't seen that one. But for the most part, they're not new. So think ahead. What's my escape route? Next time I face this, how am I getting out? Number three, run to Jesus for help. Walk into that throne room. Get on your knees and pray. That's where you find grace and mercy in the time of need. Apply God's truth. Start putting these things together. Okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to use God's word to shape who I am. Be prepared to take some drastic measures. If you really want to fight temptation, if you really want to overcome sin, you might have to cut some things off and remove them. Lastly, don't lose heart. Don't give up because desires don't go down easily and they don't change quickly. You can't just shove that thing in the microwave and hit nuke. It doesn't work that way. But over time, God will eventually change those desires. If you continue to ask God to help you change those desires, if you continue to apply God's word to your life, they will change. And if you're like me, you can look back over the last two years, the last five years, maybe the last 10 years. I don't know how long you've been following Jesus, but you can look back and go, okay, the things I used to desire I no longer desire. And things I really desire now, man, I didn't desire that when I was a brand new Christian or before I was a follower of Jesus. And he will change those desires. Over time, he does those things. But let me just lastly remind you of this one thing. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. That's the truth about temptation. Let me pray with you. God in heaven, you are amazing. And we just thank you for all that you do. Pray that you would continue to help us to fight against temptation. You would help us to fight against our own desires that are inside of us. And just recognize that we have these temptations. They keep coming at us over and over and over again. And we need your help. I need your help. That you would make us aware of how deceptive these desires are. Today as we leave, we're going to face some temptations. Some temptations we've seen over and over and over again. And I ask that you would help us to just pause for a moment run away from them, and fix our eyes on you. Continue to give us victory over these temptations. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we close with this song?